Well, good morning and welcome again to St. Paul's. We're so glad that you're here or joining us online. My name is Tyler. If we haven't met, just delighted you're here, with, here to worship. Uh, will you please pray with me before we begin? Heavenly Father, we have heard your written word. We pray for the presence of your spirit, that it would make your word alive to us and that we might meet Jesus today. We ask it in his name. Amen. So there was this time early in Jesus' ministry. We just heard about it. When Jesus proclaiming the kingdom of God, and he's standing by the edge of a lake, and his personal space is being violated. Let's sit with this for a second. Jesus is proclaiming the word of God on a lake shore, and people are pressing in on him to hear him better. And you need some room to teach a crowd, like, People in the front pew would not like it if I brought the music stand down and set it right in front of them, talk straight to them. But crowds have a mind of their own, and they're driving him against the water. Now, later in the Gospels, he's going to walk on the surface of this lake. So I guess he could have just stepped out on the waves where people couldn't follow. But then that's all anybody would be paying attention to, and nobody would be listening to what he had to say. Anyway, so Jesus is preaching. He's getting pushed into the lake like his sandals are getting wet. And he sees a couple of fishing boats pulled up on the beach, and he recognizes the fishermen who are cleaning their nets. One of them is Simon. And I love the order of how this story goes. Jesus gets into Simon's boat, and then he calls to Simon and asks him to push off. And Simon, God bless him, just does it. He knows who Jesus is. He respects him. He respects him enough to stop cleaning his nets and play aqua uber driver for Jesus so Jesus can get a little room to breathe while he's teaching. So you picture it, there's this crowd pushed up against the water, and there's this boat bobbing 10 feet out, Then there's Jesus standing in the bow, you know, proclaiming the word of God, and then there's Simon, end of his shift, checking his sundial, you know. While Jesus has been preaching, he's been out fishing, he's been cleaning his nets, and now he's back in the boat, just because Jesus asked him to. And then Jesus finishes teaching, and this is where the story really picks up. And the crowd's chatting with each other, and they wander off, and Jesus looks over at Simon, who's thinking, thank goodness, time to go home, and honestly, get a load of this. Jesus says, "Uh, go out into the deep and let your nets down for a catch. And Simon, God bless him, says, we've worked all night and caught nothing, but if you say so, I'll do it. This must have been a pretty tough moment for Simon, because he's a professional fisherman, and Jesus is a religious nut. He's telling him how to fish. Like, talk to me about God or angels, Jesus. I'm listening, but this is kind of my thing, you know? But he swallows all that, and out they go. And Jesus rides along. Just think about how bananas this is. If that were your boat, and Jesus told you to do this, and then took a ride with you. Like, hey, Jesus, could you please move a little? You're sitting on the nets. No, your other left. Our God is so amazing. And that's when the fish start to come. They're hauling in more fish than one lake should hold. The nets are breaking. Simon signals to his partner. Notice that detail. They're out too far to yell. So he's just waving frantically. And James and John, as in the man who will someday author the Gospel of John, grab their clean nets and jump into the boat and row like crazy. And now they're all pulling in more fish than they'd have ever seen. So many fish that the boats are starting to go down. What Simon Peter does then, it breaks my heart at how true and beautiful it is. 
Because in a flash, he gets it. He gets the heart of what's happening. There's a reason this is the guy Jesus names as the foundation rock for his church. Look at what he doesn't do. He doesn't start shoveling fish overboard. He doesn't cut loose the nets. He doesn't try to row for shore before they sink. He doesn't mentally start counting all the money he's going to make from this once-in-a-lifetime catch. No, he wades through a mountain of slimy, squirming fish right to where Jesus is sitting in the bow, and he drops to his knees on a pile of carp or bass or whatever they fish for in Gennesaret because Simon Peter gets it. He gets what the fish means. They mean that Jesus isn't just a really good teacher. He's not just an exorcist. He's not just a healer. Simon looks at the fish and recognizes the presence of his God in his boat with him. He doesn't know how. He doesn't have his doctrine, his theology in order. He couldn't spout off on the Trinity in that moment. It's just this insane thing happens to him, and he sees God in it. Has that ever happened to you? Like probably not a boat full of fish, but something where you saw God breaking into a world that until then you thought was ordinary? And Simon Peter, he says, go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. Because that's what you do when you come face to face with God. Last week I talked about the sheer holiness of Jesus, driving demons to the surface, sending them running. And when Simon looked at Jesus and saw God, every sin in him, every inadequacy, it cringed at the presence of that goodness, that beauty. So go away from me, Lord. It's not a rational request. I mean, where's Jesus going to go? They're in a boat. Simon doesn't know he can walk on water. It's just this metaphysical allergic reaction, like pushing Jesus away. Because Jesus is good, and Simon is not, and he knows it. And I wonder if you've ever felt not good. I wonder if you've ever felt not good enough to be with Jesus. Now here's where I want to bring your attention back to how the story started. What happened at the start of the story? Jesus was being crowded by people who wanted to hear what he had to say. And Jesus needed some space. Jesus needed to get away. Just a little room. But what's happening now? Simon's asking Jesus to go away. With tears on his face, with a frog in his throat. He's saying, I can't handle this, Jesus. I can't handle you. I, I need you to go away. And what's Jesus do? Does Jesus go? Does Jesus run? No. He leans in. Then Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. you got to picture it. A boat in deep water, waves slapping the hull. It's listing hard with a hold full of fish and the utter incongruity of a man on his knees. And Jesus puts his hand on Simon's shoulder. And Jesus says, don't be scared. Let's pause here. Imagine Jesus saying these words to you. Imagine yourself in that boat. Imagine yourself as scared as scared can be. And Jesus says, you don't need me to go away. It's okay to be close to me. Don't be afraid. I am who you think I am. I get why you're scared. But I'm here because I choose to be. I'm with you 
because I want to be. I want to be with you. I want to be with all of you. You see this catch of fish more than you could have asked for or imagined? Well, from now on, you're going to be catching people because I want to be with you, and I can't do it alone. It's the baffling vulnerability of the mission of God. The mission of God is to save us by being with us. It's not salvation at a distance like a Western union from heaven. God's mission is to make us whole, to bring us into living union with God, and by definition, that mission requires us. It can't be done alone. And when they brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. They left everything and followed him. Why'd you come to church this morning? At some point in your life, someone, maybe a parent, maybe a friend, maybe a stranger, someone told you that Jesus was worth following. And before that, someone had told that someone, and on and on and on. And if you could go back in time through the line of someones, you'd see the line of people following Jesus, billions of people, each one led by another. And if you got to the very front of the line, you'd arrive at this moment. These fishermen, Simon Peter, James and John, the son of Zebedee, the very first people to follow Jesus. Jesus gave them everything they ever could have wanted. They were fishermen. And they rowed to shore and then they walked away from the catch of a lifetime. They got the promotion. They got the merger. They got the commission that careers are built on. They got the full ride to the university of their dreams. They got all six numbers plus the bonus on Lotto 649. And they left it on the shore to follow Jesus. Nobody had done this yet. Jesus had gone around. He'd preached. He'd teached. He'd healed, teached. Rhyming will get you every time. He'd preached, he'd taught, he'd healed, he'd teached. He'd cast out demons, but then he'd moved on, and the people he'd helped stayed put. But on this sunny day on the Sea of Gennesaret, everything changed because when Jesus moved on, he took people with him. And these men whom Jesus called would become the leaders of his movement, which was called the church. It's the most important fishing trip of all time. He took them out to catch fish. He caught them instead. And when he left, they followed. Later in Luke's gospel, we're going to see how Jesus commissions these men and others as apostles. Apostles means those who are sent. Our English word mission is related. It comes from the Latin verb mito, to send. I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God, Jesus said, for I was sent for this purpose, but I can't do it alone. So he sends others, and they send his church, and the church they sent has been catching other people ever since. Listen, you're alive to experience the living union with the living God. That's what the kingdom of God means. That's why you exist. But the world isn't the way it ought to be, and we're not the way we ought to be. We're ruled by all sorts of things inside and out that have nothing to do with God, that don't like God at all. So we need the salvation that Jesus offers. Salvation, it means healing, rescue. And for thousands of years, God has been saving people by pulling them into the boat of the church. The church is a 2,000-year-long fishing trip. The mission of catching people is a mission given to the church through its founders, Peter, James, and John. Not to each individual member, 
But each individual member is a member of the church, and if that's you, if you're standing in the countless line of people following Simon Peter, following Jesus away from the ships sloppy with fish on the Gennesaret shore, if that's you, then you're called to join in the mission. The theologian Chris Wright says, our mission is our committed participation as God's people at God's invitation and command in God's own mission within the history of God's world for the redemption of God's creation. Here at St. Paul's, that's what our rhythm of life is about, the fifth practice, faithful living. It's all about following the example of Jesus in our daily lives and sharing about our faith. But we don't do this as solo operators. We do it as members of the church. God doesn't hand each believer a pole and a hook and a can of worms and say, go look for some rivers. God doesn't make us into anglers. God says, come on board and find your place. I fish with nets. We're still fishing. One thing we hear a lot at St. Paul's is that this is a welcoming place. I hope that's true. We work hard at it. We have to because this is an easy building to stay a stranger in, right? Look at it. Someone let us in. It's our job to hold the door for someone coming after us. So if you've been here a while, I hope you will look out for people who seem new. Make the effort to say hello. Find out what brought them here. Take the time to connect. But we are a growing, healthy community, and welcome isn't enough. We're being called to put out into deeper waters. About five years ago, St. Paul's took over the empty church building of St. George by the Grange, a beautiful historic parish down by OCAD and the AGO, Queen and John. You can picture it. And after a lot of prayer and a lot of planning and a lot of pandemic, we feel God calling us to send a ship to fish in those waters to tell that neighborhood about Jesus, to serve and bless the people who live and work there, to make those walls ring again with praises to our God. We're aiming to open the doors in September 2024 as a community under the St. Paul's umbrella, just meeting at a different time and place, probably a Sunday evening. There's a ton of work to be done, a lot of questions to answer, but we hope that everyone here will find a way to contribute to God's mission there. And as we get closer to next fall, you're going to be hearing a lot about St. George. But in the meanwhile, please be praying about how you might help. Maybe it's consistent prayer for the planting effort. Maybe it's giving financially. There are some real needs. Maybe it's deciding next year that you're going to pick up and go to St. George and make that worship service your spiritual home to support that fledgling community. We don't know. But as a first step, come on out to an information, center on Sunday, information session on Sunday, October the 29th, after this worship service or the 11 o'clock. Hear the story of what God's doing at St. George, what we think the next chapter might hold, and think about how you might be part of it. But above all, regardless of what you do or don't do with St. George, I, I want you to leave here today with a sense of how much you matter to God, and not just as an object of God's love, but as someone that God has called to join in God's mission of salvation. I want you to leave here knowing that Jesus is still calling each of us to be part of his mission through his church. So whoever you are, whether you're young or old or rich or poor, whatever talents or gifts or skills you have or think you don't have, wherever you're from, you're on this earth to be part of a mission that is infinitely bigger than any of us. Thanks be to God.